Welcome to Boxes and Lines, a different kind of finance podcast from a different kind of stock exchange. Featuring IEX founder Ronan Ryan and Chief Market Policy Officer John Ramsey. Now here to give you the straight talk on how the markets really work. It's Ronan and JR. Welcome everybody to the latest episode of Boxes and Lines. Take it away, JR. Welcome to Boxes and Lines. Good to have you here. God bless you all. Could you introduce our guest who's I, staring at you shut? <laughs> I know. Because clearly is here, Anne has not she heard your bad Irish person accent. And she's already wondering what in the half did I get myself into. Um, we are very pleased to have Ann Schumann, um, who is general counsel of DTCC, the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation. Good job. And thank you. Uh, so far, so good. Um, Ann and I have known each other for a long time. I um, have enormous respect for her. She was, um, as I said, currently general counsel of DTCC, was previously deputy general counsel of the CME, Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Mm-hmm. And um, But you've been at DTC see for some time now. I'm coming up on 10 years. Oh, wow. So I joined at the beginning of 2014. Okay. That's amazing. So in any event, um, as uh, many, perhaps most of our listeners probably understand, the DTCC sits like at the center of, uh, you know, uh, everything that happens in the equity markets, also a significant amount of activity in the debt markets. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about that too. But basically, there is no more significant um, entity from a standpoint of making sure that the markets continue to function efficient, efficiently and limiting systemic risk and all of that than the TTCC. So it's a um, obviously a really important play. Do you want to start, and by just um, for uh, for the less initiated people sort of talking? <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it. I always say, look, <laughs> there's plenty of people that listen to this podcast. God love we them, and I don't know you why. And you're all very smart. And they're not just... necessarily in our industry. So things like oh, yeah. DTCC, as if it's, even though it took John like six hours of me whiteboarding <laughs> it, so that he remembered that on the intro. A lot of people don't necessarily know what it is or, or, or why in John's intro it's so critical. So uh-huh. just pretend you're talking to John Ramsey. We're <laughs> <laughs> talking to John Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. Back when he was at the uh, SEC. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Back when Before he was running trading and marketing. Yes, yes, by the way, yes. I did. I do. Uh, Ronan gives me shit about the fact that I um, often bring that up. Um, yeah. Anyway, please. But I think what Anne is saying is that once you were in that role, you didn't know what the hell you were talking about. That's not true. <laughs> she was not saying that. Favorite guest already. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> he was overseeing the center of our narrow little universe. Yeah. But, you know, we love it. We are. You know, we like to sit and we're sitting at the center of a bunch of um, a, a very large number number of spokes in a big hub and spoke system, but we are, we're, we are, a lot of folks don't know anything about clearance and settlement. And a lot of securities lawyers out there who don't know anything (laughs) about us. They just know that we're the place you have to call if you want your securities to be eligible to trade anywhere. So John knows, right? In the SEC structure, you got 33X stuff and 34X stuff. And you can hear about this if you ask a lawyer to join your podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you guys thought that was a good idea. I, we, we, yeah, because because you know more about it than anybody else and our listeners need to hear. So no. you're technically a lawyer, aren't you? Or you went to law school? I, I'm not or? just technically a lawyer. I, yeah. Yes, I am a licensed attorney. Yes, right. Are you really? To many box. other things, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. All right. All right. So clearance and settlement. And what are those things, right? Settlement is easy. It's you execute a trade. The very final thing that happens, money moves in one direction and securities move in the other. One could say that's settlement. Clearance, I guess, and a lot of folks will define it in slightly different ways, but is everything that happens from 
the point that the trade is executed, which is something you guys know all about, to the point that settlement actually occurs. And really everything all in between is a form of risk management, right? So you've got lots of confirmation, affirmation processes, uh, but then you have that financial risk management. And for a clearinghouse, like our clearinghouses, what that really means is we step into the middle of every trade. We novate or we stand in between the buyer and the seller, and we make sure that the buyer gets his or her securities and the seller gets uh, some money. And that guarantee process where you centralize everything is what facilitates the incredible liquidity that we have in the U.S. equity market. And, and, and what makes it seamless from the standpoint of end users. So whether yeah. you're a, an individual retail investor trading on an app or an institutional investor who places a, a trade through a broker, um, you know, when you authorize the trade, you would like to know that you're going to receive your yeah. funds or that yeah. your securities are going to be transferred in the ordinary course. And, and obviously, to have that to happen, you need to know that the counterparties have the funds to be able to complete the trade or that they have the securities to, yeah. to transfer. I should know so the I, answer to this question, but how long has this setup mechanism been in place? Oh, well, we go back to some history, right? So in the... <laughs> I won't make any comments, John. <laughs> you want John to talk about the history? Yeah. Yeah. We, go, we go back to the, the early days of Wall Street, right? Or even the middle days of Wall Street, you know, runners, we literally used to have runners who would run around lower Manhattan yep. moving securities from brokerage house to brokerage house. Oh, like physical then, paper security. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and we still have a few million of those, but really? mostly everything. Well, and I, re I remember, sorry, not to diverge, but I remember. John was a runner. <laughs> you, I was not a runner, but when I was at the SEC, sorry about this, but you remember the hur when the hurricane came in, there were, DTCC was, was impacted in particular because there were the paper certificates that still existed were stored in this vault that was actually on, ironically, on a building Street. on Water Street. <laughs> and it literally was underwater. Who yeah. knew? So that was a, yes, yeah. yes. Um, that was, uh, thankfully for me, before I joined the company, yeah. but very large numbers of people, including the CEO and every member of the management committee at the time, they were picking securities out. I mean, everybody had to contribute to that process. Yes, the vault got flooded. Really? Yeah. And so when you talk about resiliency, we talk obviously about being able to recover our electronic systems and that's what's predominant today, but you know, you need you need resiliency on every front, right? Including for your physical facilities. Right. And fortunately today the vast bulk of all of the stuff that you are responsible for is uncertificated, so it's dematerialized. All yes. Dematerialized. Yes, thank you. Did he just make up uncertificated? No, no, that's yeah. a that's a thing. He that's makes up word. words on the desk all the time and then makes fun no, of me for I, not knowing. No, I this. use words that you just don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. oh, come on, come on! In this business, we make yeah. up words all the time. I know. And that's why I asked. You can't yeah. find a good yeah. word. You just make up yeah. an acronym and figure out what it stands for. Yeah, yeah. bingo. One of the aspects of uh, obviously DTCC's role um, then is to make sure that the people who are serving as the ultimate sort of guarantors for the trades who are members of your clearinghouse yep. um, and all of the, you know, significant players are all members have the funds or the securities in, in possession. Right. And so uh, they, they have to um, deposit, have funds on deposit that will be sufficient in order to cover whatever anticipated trading is. 
And so what can happen is when you have huge spikes in trading, um, as happened, for example, in the GameStop um, scenario that a lot of people know about. Um, the in March ex- 2020? Yes, exactly. Right in the pandemic middle activity. of the pandemic the, the and little everything thing. else. I would imagine you were fairly busy at that time. Suddenly the risks go way up, right? Yes. So the amount that people need to have on. So a lot of people have heard about um, the, the controversy around the GameStop episode, the fact a lot of people were sort of cut off from trading for a period of time from the action of the individual brokers. Can you just give a short summary of what that was all about? Um, well, well, I can't, but let's, can we back up a little yes. bit? You, you guys totally sandbagged me, right? Okay. Um, okay. Start a little bit with what's clear. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> when I dive into games. Yes. No, it's, it's. <laughs> <laughs> Tricks so, of the trade. Yeah, yeah. That's Welcome to Boxes and Lines. Suck them in and then we just, yeah. <laughs> Roll them up. Wait, wait on the next question. <laughs> <laughs> you said it at the beginning, right? It brings a lot of efficiency to the system. Clearing, it allows people to have confidence that they're going and get their money or their securities. And that ultimately is what facilitates liquidity, facilitates anonymized trading, right? If I go to sell securities, I don't have to say, well, I really want to sell to Ronan because I trust him and I don't want to sell to that deadbeat John Ramsey because mm-hmm. he might not show up with his money. I'm still not really the favorite guest. Why still. You would, yeah, right. You're definitely playing to the <laughs> yes, house here. I like right? it. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, look, to, to, to do that <laughs> guarantee function, obviously, we collect what we call margin or collateral, and we collect margin from all of our members. So what we really guarantee are all the broker-to-broker transactions in securities across the street. That's NSCC, our sort of mm-hmm. securities clearinghouse, um, or common stocks, um, unit investment trusts, money bonds, et cetera. And uh, NSCC collects margin from all of its members in order to effectively, in, in order to trade, you either have to be a member of NSCC or as a clearing broker, you have to have an arrangement with a member of NSCC. So ultimately, it generally is going to flow back through us. And um, what that the margin comes in, we call it our guarantee fund or our clearing fund. And that is dynamically managed on um, even an intraday basis. And that is available to ensure that if any broker fails to deliver funds or securities to us, we guarantee to everybody else in that hub and spoke system that they're going to get their money or they're going to get their securities. But that does require, you know, a pretty large amount of collateral. Sure. Needless to say, we're very tightly managed by our overseers and the regulators, the SEC and the Fed primarily, as to how much collateral we're collecting, how that's calculated, what we do with it. Uh, all, all of those processes are set forward in our rule books. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. That was very helpful. So in the context <laughs> of the, the the particular situations where you have this huge increase in volume of trading and particularly in very specific names yeah. uh, where you may not be able to, if suddenly you have huge amount of uh individual investors that are all buying or all selling sure. a particular stock at one period of time, it means the risks go way up. Yeah. yeah. Right? Look, if you think about it, and you could see this in your own portfolio, right? If you have a broad, diversified set of securities, the degree of volatility in that portfolio is going to be lower. If you have um, a, a smaller set of securities in a portfolio, the degree of volatility is going to be higher, particularly if they are 
volatile securities, ones that are behaving in new or interesting or different ways are going to have higher volatility and we're going to need a greater amount of margin to cover the risk in a portfolio that is heavily concentrated in those securities. Right. And because we also care about um, the kind of di- direction of trading, if everybody's all on one side in a portfolio, there's more risk there than if you have, obviously, if yeah. you have a balanced set of buys and sells, there's less risk. Right. Right. But I guess the point that I was trying to make, like on the, in the, in the GameStop, uh, GameStop situation, that you're still acting as a, a neutral arbiter in that situation. You're not making decisions about whether, um, individual, uh, brokers, um, sort of extend credit or whatever. It's just your concern is that people have sufficient amounts on deposit that you know that they can complete the trades. Correct. From there, Correct. And, and, to. and to be clear, it's on, it's on deposit with us. And right. so, you know, I think one of the challenges sometimes for brokers in the space is they're collecting funds from their clients, but we're looking at what we have in-house because if someone defaults, things need to happen very, very quickly because we're guaranteeing everything to the other side. Right. Very good. Brandon, did you get all that? I got did all of that. Did you absorb all of that? <laughs> well, okay. I knew it all, but I wanted and explain <laughs> it understand. for the former yeah. head of trading and CFTC and SEC and runner and... Did you what run the? all those things, John? Well, well, every uh, podcast I find a new job. I, I, he did. It's just you have no interest really in uh, understanding the breadth and depth of my background. I'm like constantly. <laughs> hired you, didn't I? Yeah, well, I, I know. Took the you resume. Really put, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're here uh, at one he time. hired you so you wouldn't have to understand that stuff. I, well, that's I guess that's, yeah, that's probably right. I thank God every day for John Ramsey. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, as, as you alluded to, you are, you do operate under the, uh, authority of the, uh, SEC and the Fed too. So you've got like regulators like all over the place, um, looking at everything you do. That must pose some challenges too. Uh, there's, there's, there's quite a few. You know, <laughs> we introduce things to new, uh, new employees or, uh, new members of our board of directors. And we, you know, we put up that presentation that says, here's how many regulators we have. And I think there's about 30 on the list. Uh, a bunch of different. But uh, yeah, I love our regulators. But can we turn yes. the mics off and complain for a few minutes? <laughs> no, so thirty. No. I don't know. No, yeah. Shut up, Ronnie. <laughs> Sorry, no, John. No, yeah. No, but look, our primary regulators in the core business, so the the SIFMUs, the systemically important financial market utilities, are the SEC and the Fed. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we spend a lot of time with both organizations. They have slightly different and overlapping areas of focus. But here's what I'll say. Uh, I, you know, the regulatory structure definitely creates a lot that we have to pay attention to. It means that things will not always move as quickly as people would like to see. And I don't just mean for us, I mean across the industry, but it also ensures that things are safe. And we can, you know, we can joke a lot about the regulators, yep. but, and, and John knows this better than anybody having been there. The people that we deal with, Day in and day out, they you know they really do have that public service concept at heart, and those guys work hard. So uh, you know we can we can joke I about certainly it. I, did. I, yeah. Well, I don't know. I Jeez, mm-hmm. what <laughs> happened to you since? <laughs> no, you you're totally right, and we do we do work a lot with them, and it can be frustrating that we are subjected to such regulation, but in the end, we do all agree it's the right thing, and. You know, as market structure has gotten more and more wonky over the last 10 to 15 years, mm-hmm. we always say we're pretty impressed with how progressive regulators have come along with that because it's, it's, it's not easy. 
Yeah, I know. Absolutely. That's why John left 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay, right. You had this smirk right, on your face okay. looking at me. Yeah, no, Don't I, get all I, sensitive. I, not I, now, John. Not I'm now. Not, I'm not getting sensitive. I mean, they're um, expected to stay on top of everything that's yeah. happening now. And they all know if something goes sideways that they're the ones that are going to be hauled in front of Congress to explain it. And they've got to stay on top of new developments. So. And it's, it's so broad. Like, I remember I was in talking to someone in trading and markets. I won't name names on this. But as we were walking down the hall, way, something that's massively important to IEX and a lot of our clients, he said, that's not even the tip of the iceberg of what they're responsible for, too. So <laughs> yeah, we, we all want attention to our special child, but it's right. pretty broad. So let's talk a little bit about a recent kind of regulatory developments um, or proposals. So one thing is you talked about settlement. Um, and mm-hmm. so the um, obviously one element of risk um, involves how long does it take from the time that you agreed to a trade to actually settle it, to right. transfer funds and security? So the longer it takes, the more their risk, the risk is, right. that greater the risk that somebody won't be able to, by the time you need to settle, you'll be able to. So used to be uh, that we, uh, you know, trades in the equities markets were settled on a trade plus three date basis, and then that moved to two days. Yeah. And now we're on the track to moving to yeah. next day settlement, yeah. right? I mean, back when I was working at Smith Barney before I went to law school and I'm filling out orders on pieces of paper, it was T plus five, right? Oh, right. So, yes. Uh, so we've come on. In fact, and I think before that, didn't Wall Street have to shut down on Wednesdays to catch up? Oh, uh, right. Well, during the paperwork crisis, yes, right? When yes, it literally yes. was a question of how much paper could people carry to various locations yeah. to yeah, process. Yeah, you did that when you were a runner, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes, one of my, back in the Truman administration. <laughs> yeah, so a few years ago, we moved from T plus three to T plus two, meaning that between trade date and settlement date, you have three days elapsed and then you have two days elapsed. And obviously, when we have to risk manage that difference between when somebody trades and the price that they trade at, and when you've got to show up with those securities, we're looking at how much risk is there, how much can that price move over the course of the settlement period. So obviously, if it's longer, we're going to need more collateral to cover that degree of risk. If it's shorter, you need a little less. So that compression reduced the amount of collateral that we require. And as we move from T plus two to T plus one, our estimate that's out there, and you know, it's there's some amount of science and some amount of guesswork in that, but we believe that we'll be able to reduce the aggregate amount of margin that we're collecting by as much as a little over 40%. Wow, that's a pretty significant difference. Yeah, it's big so, savings to the industry. So what what does the time frame to complete the move to T plus one, what does that look like? So Uh, The SEC uh, early this year issued proposed rules on the move to T plus one, and the the date is not yet settled. I think the SEC was looking for early 2024. Some in the industry were looking for maybe 2025, um, but a, a fairly strong consensus, I think, around Labor Day. We had talked about Memorial Day as an option, and then I have to say, you know, more recently, we obviously engage a lot with our members in the industry. There's a lot of logic to Labor Day 2024 in terms of just the implementation risk, right? Mm-hmm. Having a three-day weekend, yep. we're aligned with Canada, it's a three-day weekend for them. So we're waiting for the SEC to finalize those rules, and the, you know, the date's not the only question there, but 
uh, we're looking forward to getting that out. And obviously, huge amount of work for you guys at the DTCC, but also for all of the member firms that have to connect you, have to reprogram all of their systems. The whole industry. Yeah, yeah, the whole industry really has to move together. And in a lot of ways, the um, you know DTCC sits at the center of it. But in some ways, there's maybe a little less work for us. You know, we actually already support T plus one settlement and even T zero end of day settlement. It, but it's it's an option, and it's generally you know, there's not a lot of uptake on it right, right now because the whole industry has to be prepared. To right. Do that. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because some folks also have suggested even moving, you know, sort of from T plus one to a trade date settlement, um, so that you would actually settle like at the end of the trading date. Is that uh, is that realistic? Do you think, um, or is I, I would imagine that that is probably a significantly bigger lift. Yeah, it is. Well, let, let's, let's first, a couple of things. First, let's distinguish in terminology. People say T0, you want to know what they mean. Do they mean uh, what you might call atomic settlement or instantaneous settlement? Yeah, I don't know how the that's, hell that's supposed to work. Yeah, but that's- real-time gross settlement or T0 end of day. So to, to make it clear, if you had instantaneous settlement or real-time gross settlement, the, you know, the issue with that is you lose the value of netting. And netting in yep. this is enormous, right? Yep. NSCC nets down transactions in those broker-to-broker trades such that in the end, we, we net down by about 98%, right? Really? So at the end, wow. you're, you know, it's just a very small number of movements that have to happen. The amount of money that you need to move around is Correct. much less. And if you think about it from the standpoint of a broker with clients, if you were going to have instantaneous settlement, you're going to want everything pre-funded. And that's not efficient really for anybody in the industry. So right. that netting is really mm-hmm. valuable. As You move from um, T2 to T1 and then T1 to T0. At each step along the way, you, you know, that compression of time gives you value, but it creates pressure, right? Mm -hmm. So even the move, the move from T2 to T1 is a little more complicated and has a little more pressure on it than T3 to T2. Mm-hmm. It really emphasizes, and you see this in the SEC rule, should you kind of go read it, that uh, uh, the- He wrote uh, that, right? right but yeah. Somebody here, surely, right? Yeah, a few somebodies. That um, you know, affirmation becomes really important, right? Mm-hmm. You, the number of outtrades or questions become complicated, right? You don't want to have a lot that's um, a lot of loose ends in the system. If you're, you know, if you're going to settle, you're going to reach settlement very fast. So I have a basic, probably maybe stupid question, but when you were saying T zero, no stupid questions from me. So ahead. it's it's T plus two today. Is there a specific time? So market closes the day at four. Is it two days from four p.m.? When does it all officially settle? What does T plus okay. two even mean? <laughs> so, yeah. so if you, yeah, all right, so you trade yep. today. Well, let's, let's, let's say Monday. You trade on Monday. You get to close of business Monday. In a T2 environment, those trades settle, close business Wednesday. Okay. Mm-hmm. See? Got that. See? No stupid question. What time is close of business what? officially? <laughs> well, I mean, final settlement occurs yeah. after the market's close. Yeah. Cool. See, that's a good question. It's a good question, Ronan. It's fine. Um, looks, looks mad at me. No, 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 not at all. No, I'm. I, no, you're doing very well. 
Thank um, you. Thank you. My mic's not even on. <laughs> you guys um, are just going to hear you two talking <laughs> and weird pauses. <laughs> so uh, one one other thing. So we've been talking a lot about the equities markets. Um, the DTCC also has a huge role to play in the fixed income markets. Um, and that includes uh, corporate bonds, um, municipal bonds, but also includes treasuries. Um, so mm-hmm. treasury market, everybody knows, gigantic, has huge economic impacts. Um the SEC just yesterday uh, put out a proposal to require more central clearing, presumably through DTCC, of Treasury securities because most of that trading, I- I'm assuming, as I understand today, really is not centrally cleared. So you, can can you talk a little bit about that, about what the state of play is and, and what motivated the SEC? Yeah. Uh, well, I think to know what motivated the SEC, you want to read their release and talk to them. But look, I'm it, not going to do that. <laughs> you know, it's already like 500 pages. I'm just not going to do it. All right. All right. Now it's, I think it was 272 okay, pages. All right. That's uh, specifically your role here at IX. <laughs> Are you aware of that? <laughs> you, you can't read everything. We don't FYI, trade, John. We, we don't trade treasuries, right, right, that, in case you didn't know. That's, uh, that, uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, but, you know, look to the future, guys. You see? I, see the way he treats me, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> like, as an aside. Okay, sorry. Back in. Yesterday, big day for us, right? The SEC put out, as John said, proposed rules for some pretty significant changes in treasury clearing. So treasury clearing is our subsidiary FICC um, as opposed to NSCC, mm-hmm. which is um, you know where we're talking about the move from T2 to T1. Treasury clearing is already on T1 um, and has been for a long time. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because the rules just come out and we were mm-hmm. digesting it. But um, I, I think DTCC has for several years been a proponent of the potential value of increasing clearing in the treasury market as a a way to reduce systemic risk. And I think that's the primary goal and focus for the SEC is what is the systemic risk in the system as the market has changed over time. And you've seen decreasing volumes of treasury transactions coming into central clearing just just because of structural changes in the market. Right. So what the proposal does is it effectively says our members – uh, which are generally the largest participants um, in in the U.S. Treasury market, including all of the primary dealers, our participants will be required to bring um, a, a significantly larger percentage of transactions to DTCC for to FIC for central clearing. That's particularly true for the repo market, um, and then some changes also in cash transactions. Right. And so this is hugely important because of uh, particularly in high volatility, high volume events. So one clear example of this was, you know, in the middle of the the onset of the pandemic, when you suddenly had this huge um, sort of rush for cash or whatever. So huge numbers of people all trying to sell treasuries at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you had uh, the Fed essentially having to step in and um, buy a lot of treasuries. So there was a lot of concern about because if all of the risk is kind of like in individual dealer firms, bank firms that are bilaterally clearing with each other, then it's much harder sometimes to get a sense of where the risk is in the system. And is there one significant player if it runs into 
uh, trouble that could have all various kinds of knock-on effects that you can't. Yeah. Well, look, there's a lot to unpack there. And obviously yeah. there's a lot to unpack in March, 2020. I, again, I want to be careful that, you know, that's really a question for the economists, sort of what was the source of the risk sure. and how much could central clearing do to mitigate that risk? If it's, mm-hmm. a, if it's a question of the willingness of participants to provide liquidity into the system and the volatility associated with that, uh, you know, the, the, the impact of clearing there may not be as significant, but in terms of um, you know, perhaps regulators' visibility into what's happening, um, their comfort about certain types of players in the industry and the risk management around the whole system, central clearing can do some good there. It was, that's certainly what we believe. It was surprising to me because at least the Wall Street Journal's read of the SEC, because they actually did their job and read what came out. Give <laughs> me a they, break. They, they, it, said something, it was a small number, like only like 15% or 17% goes to central clearing is, is is it that low and for some reason the year that they cited it was 2017 so had they been writing this thing for five years yeah well I mean, maybe, uh, yeah maybe Hot there's take. just not that much <laughs> transparency <laughs> into how much or the wall street journal read it wrong yeah but maybe. at least they tried jen yeah well I, okay well, we're gonna have to go outside to other figures to you know confirm your data there ronan but, uh, uh, I, I made it up and i do this so, there, I mean, there could also be some benefits in terms of the data coming into the system and its availability. I'm yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. Well, so Ronan, would you like to summarize what it is you've learned um, from today's podcast session? Today? I will be happy to do it. But what I'd like is to listen to you. Do it first. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, and that you would uh, w- want to share about kind of like what's on the horizon, uh, what, you know, any significant initiatives that DTCC is um, engaged in or anything that people should sort of stay tuned yeah, to? I mean, sure. Look, the move to T1 is top of mind for us, particularly in equities clearing. It's a, it's a big change for the industry, though. There's a, there's a playbook. We did it before. We absolutely have to get that right, right? You can't have the system break. But the good news is I think the industry is um, really moving in the right direction. And because we've done it before, I think there will be a lot of attention to testing and ensuring that that process is smooth. And um, uh, obviously, we're digesting what the SEC proposed yesterday, and I think that'll probably take some amount of time to play out, even if they do get to a final rule. We're just at the proposed rule stage. And so uh, so that's going to be, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see over the next couple of months what the reaction is to that as people digest it. And then uh, for us more broadly, I mean, we're in a lot of different spaces and we're looking at a lot of different opportunities. I mean, I think like everybody, we are looking at new technologies and we're looking at the adaptability of new technologies to what we do. So in our equity space, we've got something called Project Ion where we're running in parallel production processing a certain set of equities transactions on a distributed ledger based technology mm-hmm. so that's that's going well but it's you know it's it's an early experience otherwise sometimes called blockchain uh run it just to, so i you know, yeah. connect the dots <laughs> crypto john yeah. crypto john yeah. 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 thank you right is that, is that yeah. what we call him here uh, mm-hmm. all right he likes right. us to call him that yeah mm. When he walks away, he's called the other name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So look, I mean, there, there's a lot going on. You know, yeah. people don't even really think about what happens in the back office, but there's a lot there. Well, I I grew up, you know, I you know I wanted to be a lawyer, but you don't really think, oh, I want to be a clearing lawyer. Nobody knows what that is. But uh, but it's 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 good. It's good it, it is hugely important. I was going to say 
Nobody really thinks about it until something goes wrong. Then everybody exactly. is like, yeah, then the spotlight's out. Yeah, yes. yeah. And then my boss is testifying mm-hmm. to Congress. Yeah, and right. Yeah, you it's don't not, want it's, it's not, never a good thing. <laughs> never a good thing, especially if it's me. You're yeah. right. Um, so, I but hope that and, would be must see TV. I'll watch that. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I'll even shave. <laughs> and we we have to. I don't even know if you were prepped for this, but we ask a question of questions on this podcast. We ask Uh-oh. all our guests, <laughs> mm-hmm. "What's your favorite Wall Street movie and why?" Oh, no, totally not prepped for that. Do I have? <laughs> well, that's, I, well, that's great. So it's th- This will be really, really it's good. Much, it's much have, better. Do I have a fan? I don't think mm-hmm. I have. It's definitely not Gordon Gekko. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that. Yeah. 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 That's probably the one that most people say, though. I know, I, it I surprises know. me. It's not my favorite Oh, at all. really? Yeah. Really? We've, we've had but, some uh, strange ones. Mm-hmm. What was what was the one that was about the beginning of the um, of the crisis? Well, well, there was I think there was margin, margin call. call. Ma- I think that I'm was margin call yes. was very good. Yeah, I yeah. was thinking of margin call. Right? I like that Where one. The one guy's got the model on a zip drive. Yeah, yes, 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 yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. He's, he's on his way down the elevator and he hands it to somebody. He's like, yeah, yeah. careful with this. <laughs> destroy the world. <laughs> You know, See, you had yeah. an answer and you had yeah, an answer yeah, why. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> you did. That you know, I mean, John John and I actually met first in the aftermath of that when everybody was trying to figure out how to clear credit default swaps, you know, the giant green derivative that ate Wall Street. And John right, pulled a right, zip right. file from his pocket. <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. No, you were um, a huge help in uh, helping you deal with all that now. And I know are uh, also equally valuable now at the DTCC. And I'm, uh, we're so glad to have had you here. But we're not going to leave you uh, without a parting gift. Uh-oh. And this is okay. something else you probably have not been told in advance. Clearly. But no one leaves here with nothing. Right. I get a lapel pin? Uh, even oh, better. Even better than that. <laughs> uh, don't, don't guess more because then it might be worse. <laughs> you get your very own pair of IEX boxes and lines socks. <sighs> Beautiful socks. Fact, I think I'm wearing wait, wearing yeah. of them now. Isn't that right. lovely? Are you wearing the black yeah. and white? Oh, no, you're wearing the colorful no, I'm ones. Wearing the colorful yeah, ones. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. My yeah, husband no likes colorful stuff. Yeah. Wear them in good health. Yeah. Oh, right. no, we well, yeah. get one for your husband, too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Get a pair for them. Well, you got to walk by the, the IEX swag room. Okay. And maybe there's other stuff there. You pick out anything you want. Anything you want. <laughs> Under $100, of course. But no, you're a fantastic guest. We appreciate you being on. Very, very informed. Of per John has no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was a, little, I was a little scared about the torture chamber here. Only a few scrapes. You, you, you answered everything with grace and aplomb, and you put up with all of our foolishness. Yeah. Boxes and lines over and out. God bless you all. To See, all I can listeners. always get him to do it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye, over guys. Out. Boxes and Lines is a podcast from IEX Exchange. It is hosted by Ronan Ryan and John Ramsey. Executive produced by Sarah Forster with support from Benstown. For more information and to hear more episodes, go to iexexchange.io slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Boxes and Lines. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only, and IEX Group Incorporated and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversation may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group Incorporated, all rights reserved. (laughs) 